Welcome to the RCF Podcast. I'm here today with Rex Fisher. He's the pastor of Perryville Bible Church in Wakefield, Rhode Island. Rex, you've been on the podcast before, so welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be with you again. We're talking today about the promises of God. This is an important subject for us, right? If we read the scriptures and it's just another book, then what good is it? Right. Um, but if there are promises there, if there's something that God has said applies to us and applies to our life, then the Bible is a lot more than just a book. Yeah, amen to that. We have to start with an understanding that the Bible is God's revelation to mm-hmm. us, right? It is God's primary means of communicating to his people today. And it communicates to us something about himself, but also his will for us and what he has promised to do for us as his people, as we seek to live for him today. So when we talk about the promises of God, what are we talking about? A promise on a very basic level is a commitment by someone to do something or not to do something. For an example, you have a man and a woman who promise on their wedding day to love each other until death finally separates them, right? Mm -hmm. Or you have an employer, for example, who promises to give their employees a bonus if they meet a sales goal within a certain period of time. Every time that we make a promise to someone, we're showing our commitment to and dedication to that person. Mm -hmm. Keeping the promises that we make to other people is key if we want to maintain strong relationships with those around us. And conversely, breaking promises can break trust and Mm -hmm. cause rifts in in our relationships with people. Now, listen, because we live in a sick, sin-cursed world, we should expect from time to time that people are going to break their promises Mm -hmm. to us. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that we sometimes break the promises that we make to people. Here's the problem, though, is that we often project onto God the sinful character of men. Mm. And we question how, since we are so accustomed to broken promises, how can we trust God to always keep the promises that he makes to us? But here's what we need to understand. God always keeps his promises. Amen. You know, in Numbers 23, verse 19, we read, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So we need to start with this understanding that God is not like us. Mm -hmm. He's not. He doesn't lie ever. If he did lie, he would no longer be God. And so we can have the confidence that we can take God at his word. You know, behind every promise lies the character of the one who's making the promise. And to determine whether or not it's reasonable to trust the person who's making a promise to you, it depends on the reliability of the person who is making the promise. And it's always reasonable, I think you would agree, to trust the trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody that's more trustworthy than God because of his character, who he is. So if we're struggling to believe God's promises, the problem isn't with God. The problem is with us and the way that we're thinking about the promises that God has given his people in the Bible. So what have you learned about the promises of God that really stands out to you, I guess, over the years as a pastor and as a Christian? Yeah, I've been a believer now for probably 45 years 
and I've been in ministry vocationally for 14 years as a pastor. And so I've had, based on life experiences and just ministry opportunities, I've had time to think about the promises of God. And there are some principles that I've learned that come over the years that come out of Scripture. The first thing I think we need to understand is that we need to recognize to whom God's promise was given. Mm. When God makes a promise in Scripture, it's not necessarily intended for all of his people at all times. The context in which the promise is given in Scripture will tell you for whom the promise was intended. So, for example, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 4, God promised Abraham that he would have a son and that he would then become the father of many nations. All right? This is not a promise that was given to the church. It was, it's not a promise for Christians today. It was a promise that was given to a specific individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 and 11, God promised Israel, a nation of people that was in a covenant relationship with him. He promised Israel that after 70 years of exile in Babylon, that he would bring them back to the southern kingdom of Judah and to the capital city of Jerusalem. Again, this is not a promise that was given to Christians or to the church. It was given to God's covenant people, Israel. That verse there of Jeremiah 29, 10, and 11, that's a really popular verse that uh, we want to put it on a t-shirt or put it on the wall, right? You know, I know the plans I have for you, a plan to prosper and to give you a hope and a future. And, and so we do need to recognize who was that written to. But as you were saying, while we may not take that as a promise directly to us, we can still take principles from that. We understand this is who our God is. This is a God who cares about his people. And this is a God who does know our future and does give us hope. I think we can take principles even from those, but making sure that we're not just taking that promise as God wants me to prosper and have a lot of money and those types of things. That's not the context of the passage, right? Right. So, for example, it may seem obvious, you know, as we talk about it now, that, yeah, that was a promise given to Abraham or that was a promise given to Israel. But as you've already indicated, Matt, that I bring these two examples up because I've seen how it's been abused by Mm -hmm. Christians. I have seen married couples who are unable to get pregnant look at that promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 15 and claim it for themselves. Mm. And then when they're unable to conceive, they become frustrated or angry with God with not keeping his promise or not Mm. being faithful to his promise. And so, and the same thing, probably one of the most well-known passages in the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah 29, 11, where Christians are claiming that for themselves. And again, it was promised for Israel. But I, I do agree that there are principles that we can take from it that tell us what our God is like. But we seem to have, when we claim Jeremiah 29, 11 for ourselves, we have an understanding of what it means for God to prosper us. Mm-hmm. and not to harm us. And if God doesn't pull through the way that we think he should, again, we question his faithfulness and is he trustworthy? Yeah. So how do we know what promises are for us? 
Uh, so let's stick with the Old Testament for a minute because that's the that's the most challenging, right? It is because I've just given two examples of promises that are given in the Old Testament that are not directed towards Christians today. So a logical question then is, well, are any promises mm. in the Old Testament promises that we can claim? And I want to suggest that yes, that there are in this scenario where a promise that God gives is directed to a general audience. Let's say, for example, the righteous. I think Christians can claim that promise for themselves today. Let me give you an example. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Can we claim that promise for ourselves today? I think so. And how many Christians today actually run to the Psalms for encouraging words? from the Lord. I'm not saying every promise that's given in the Psalms is for us, but many of them that are directed to a general audience, uh, I believe we can claim. Now, I do want to give a caution, is that most verses in the book of Proverbs are not promises. Mm -hmm. They're general truisms. That is, they reveal what usually happens when the proverb is applied in the right way at the right time. One thing that comes to mind for me when I think of some of the Old Testament promises, I think of 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 that says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ, right? And we could say, yeah, looking at the Old Testament, all of those promises that are given, they do apply to us in, in some way, but we have to view that through Christ and recognize even thinking of Abraham and the blessing that Abraham received of a son who would become a great nation. And even that was pointing to Christ. And it's ultimately in Jesus that all of those promises in the Old Testament are fulfilled. And so we can look back at those Old Testament promises and and say, yes, while God may not be saying, Matt, you're going to have a son, you know, that's not the promise. That promise to Abraham still applies to me in that God was being faithful, Mm -hmm. uh, that God was providing a way for mankind to be reconciled to him. Yes. And so I think we can look at and should look at all of those Old Testament promises, look at the character of God, look at what God was doing. And then as Christians, 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us all those promises are fulfilled in Christ. And so we can praise God for those promises. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed is that in some of those specific promises that God gave to individuals like Abraham or to the nation of Israel, a lot of those promises had a physical element to it, mm-hmm. land or son, right? Yeah. And I've found that God's promises to the church in Christ are more spiritual in nature. They have to do with uh, our relationship with him. It, they have to do with promises related to God helping us to become more conformed to the image of Christ or to draw closer in our relationship with him or to be set free from the bondage to this world and and given a greater longing for our eternal home in heaven. Mm -hmm. They're they're more spiritual in nature. And so uh, what I encourage Christians to do today is to focus primarily, not exclusively, but primarily on the specific promises that God has given the church in the New Testament. And uh, when it comes to that, my observation is that most Christians know the promises related to our future. 
God has promised that we will have an eternal home with him in heaven. And that uh, when we get to heaven, we're going to be reunited with loved ones who are there. That we will be free from the presence of sin. That we will receive a glorified body and there will be no more tears and sorrow, right? We know those promises. Mm -hmm. But what I have discovered is that many Christians don't know the promises that God has given us for today. Mm. And if I were to ask a Christian, well, what is a promise that God has given us in terms of living for him today? There is one that Christians typically come back and know, and they tell it to me, like, it's the first one. Can you guess what it might be? Romans eight twenty eight. Okay, that is one, but it wasn't that the one that wasn't the top of my okay. list. Okay. The top of my list is Hebrews thirteen five. I will never okay. leave you or, yeah. or forsake you. That right? would have been my second guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so a great promise. Yeah. Right? And it's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. But there are so many more. Let let me just give you five real quick. All right. Just because I don't think that Christians are aware or think about the promises that God has given us today. Matthew six. 31 through 33, Jesus says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's the promise. But seek first his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is a familiar passage. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, here's the promise, he will provide a way out so that you can endure. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. James chapter 1, verse 4, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All of these are promises that God has given the church uh, to Christians who are seeking to live for him today. And there are dozens and dozens more. Mm -hmm. And my exhortation to believers that I'm interacting with is learn what those promises are. Mm -hmm. You can't live by them if you don't know what they are. Absolutely. We're talking about promises in a positive sense, right? And uh, I think that's really important. We want to cling to those, but we have to understand that there are also promises on the negative. If we disobey God, if we run away from Him, that He promises that we will face discipline, or yes. we ultimately, if we're not believers, that we will face judgment. Yes. And those are promises as well. And we know that God is a God who keeps His promises. So I think even those negative promises, they should stir us up to want to live holy lives. Second Corinthians 7, 1, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of both the positive and the negative promises of God have their place, and they should cause us to fear God and to walk in holiness. 
And it does tell us again something about God's character, right? Those negative promises, as you put it, are there to warn us Mm -hmm. because God does not want us to suffer the consequences of our sinful choices. He's warning us so that we can choose a different path, his path. Absolutely. It's because he cares about us and because he does want to give us hope in our life. Yeah. I also have found that some Christians question or struggle with claiming God's promises because they haven't experienced it in their lives and they wonder why. You know, like, well, God has promised to do this and yet I don't experience it. Mm -hmm. And what I often have to help them understand is that there are some promises that God has given the church that are conditional. That is, that there's an obligation to me if the promise is to to be fulfilled. So probably the most well-known passage that I point people to related to this is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where people say, you know what, God has said he would give me peace in the midst of my trial, and yet I don't experience peace. I'm just overwhelmed by it, and I'm troubled by it. So why not, God? Why have you not fulfilled your promise? Well, this is a conditional promise, right? Do not be anxious about anything. And so if you're focusing on that thing that's making you anxious and you're stirred up about that rather than putting your heart and mind where they need to be in the focus on God, then yeah, you're not going to have the the peace of God. Right. Again, the passage says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the promise, right? Mm -hmm. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if there's no prayer, if there's no thanksgiving, then, then how do I expect to have peace? God promises in this passage that he will grant the peace that transcends all understanding when you do take your focus off of that which is causing you the anxiety and putting your focus on God and expressing your trust and dependence upon him and his faithfulness. Absolutely. Uh, One final thing that I'd like to share with you in our time together is that sometimes we as Christians expect God to do something that he's never promised. And that can cause a rift in our relationship with him in terms of how we view him. And let me give you an example from my own life. My wife is a a breast cancer survivor, and she had uh, surgery and chemo treatments back in 2016. And before she was going to have the surgery and those chemo treatments, we had some well-meaning family members and friends who are Christians say to us, as intended to be an encouragement to us, that they were claiming God's healing over her life. Mm. You know, again, we we saw it as a well-meaning gesture, but as my wife and I talked about it, we had to admit that God never promised us that she would be healed of cancer. So we prayed for healing, but we recognized that we could not claim the healing of cancer as one of God's promises to Mm -hmm. us. And so the question that we need to ask is, has God promised to fulfill every one of our desires? Because that's what it was. It was a desire that my wife would be healed of cancer that we were presenting to the Lord in prayer. But as God promised, to give us every one of our desires. And we know the answer to that is no, he has not. For some Christians, the good desires that they have will never be realized. And for other Christians, it may take several years before their desire is realized. 
And so what I've learned over the years is that although God has not promised to grant us every one of our good desires, we can trust God's heart for his children, that he only has a good plan for us. There's a a song from many years ago. Here's the lyrics, I think, to the chorus that I absolutely love. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Amen. That's a good way to end. Thank you for your time today, Rex. Yeah, what a pleasure to be with you again. I hope this encourages you all as you seek to grow closer to the Lord. Spend some time going through the scriptures and looking for the promises of God this week. Thank you for listening to the RCF podcast. If you have questions about what you've heard today, you can email us at podcast at or visit our website, roadiefellowship.com or our Instagram page at roadiefellowship.